be seated. Great to have Lynn back with us. Lynn's come back from Malaysia. She's been over there ministering and building the church over there. Had an awesome time, I'm sure of that. Fantastic. If you're visiting with us today, we'd love to give you a little gift. And uh, I'd love to give you to find out who you are. Well, if you're visiting with us, I want you to raise your hand so we can know who you are. I'm going to give you a clap and a gift. There's some over here. What have we got our stewards? Just take a gift over to them. Just hold your hands up just over there. Just uh, keep your hand up until we've got a little gift in your hand. That's right. There's some over there. Any other, any other visitors today with us? Just raise your hand. There's some over here. Here we are over there. God bless. Fantastic. Great to have you here. Over there. Just drop them a little car. There you go. Afterwards, we'd love you to come out and have a cup of coffee with us. It'd be great. Chance to meet you. And uh, we're just so glad you're here with us today. Fantastic to have you here. Great to be back. I've been so looking forward to getting to church this morning. We uh, had a wonderful time away last week and uh, went to, uh, first of all, to Taiwan. I felt a little bit conned when I got up there because uh, the reason they brought us up there was the church uh, had gone through a split. There had been 100 people. They thought, they thought there were 400 people broken away. And uh, there was tremendous grief when we were up there last time. They asked, they pleaded with me if we could come up, just help them work through the situation, which we went up to do two days. Uh, but when we got there, we found out they, it was a lot less than they thought. There were only about 100 people. And the uh, church is still thriving and strong with about 2,500. And, a half and uh, they'd gotten through that problem. They just wanted to have some meetings and build the church. So we're glad to say that over that uh, two days, there were over 200 people gave their hearts to Christ. It was fantastic. So let's give a lot of clap, shall we? It was just a great, 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 great time. First night we got in there, I had to work on my attitude because uh, it seemed like everyone had a plan and it didn't include what they told me. And uh, so, you know, we got there and got off the plane and I thought I'd have some time to prepare with the new information and we're now going to have an outreach meeting. No, so we'd be invited out for dinner went out for dinner. Now, you'd think if you were invited out to dinner at someone's place, you'd be eating with the people, wouldn't you? So uh, I wasn't really keen to eat at all, to tell the truth, but out of politeness we went. Turns out we were just to eat on our own. <laughs> and the fa- everyone else arrived later on and had a meal. So I don't understand all of that. But uh, anyway, while we were there, someone came for counseling, and we had a word of God for them, and uh, God did a restoration work in their marriage. That night we had a meeting, and it was just wild. With I hadn't been in the church for years, and it was just wild with demons. So even as we started to talk, people are... <laughs> going all over the place and uh, so we ignored them just let them manifest to the maximum all over the place and I uh, had a gospel message got about 50 60 saved and a whole heap of people delivered just amazing breakthrough of God next morning we had a, another meeting they thought there'd be uh, only a, you know, a few hundred there it was jam-packed about 900 I think in the building and uh, we had a tremendous move of physical healing a lot of people healed uh, one man there had been in uh, a stiff back for and in pain for 10 years and we just prayed for him. The moment we prayed for him, he was freed. He jumped up and down, ran around all over the place. So got everyone really excited. Uh, then we uh, had a lot of people with broken hearts come up and got healed. And tremendous grief released some lives. That night, uh, we uh, had a, another breakout. A lot of people saved and touched by the power of God. I told him to bring all the sick people on, on the Saturday morning. They had a meeting all morning before we left in the afternoon. And uh, so I didn't, wasn't too sure whether, how many sick people there were, but there were heaps of them. Just heaps. I started to move words and I had a few words and I got a really amazing miracle with a lady whose uh, knee, uh, she had had an operation in her knee and uh, they'd removed some part of the knee and you see the scar running from here down to there. It's quite nasty and uh, she actually walked with quite a severe limp and when we prayed for her, the power of God came on and she was healed. She walked without a limp, without any pain. So of course I got excited. I said, well, we'll get some more people who've got knees, you know. So I asked how many people had knee problems and about eight put their hand up. And then I said, well, let's come on up here, we'll pray for you. And about 200 came up. So I thought, oh, you've ruined my meeting now. You know, now I've got 200 to pray for. So I thought, well, I will, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just narrow it down a bit further. We'll say, well, those that have got walking sticks, you know, if you can make it up on the stage, we'll pray for you. <laughs> well, that'll, that'll get the numbers down a little bit. Anyway, about 20 of them got up on the stage. So anyway, we just took them one at a time, began to stretch our faith to believe. And uh, out of all the 20, got, uh, all the 20 were able to walk unaided afterwards the whole lot of them just amazing what God did so uh, some were a little stiff trying to get the use back in their legs others ran across the stage and uh, were just uh, just God's power and presence was there so church was very very excited 
begging with me to come back, but I made no promises. <laughs> anyway, so then we went down to Singapore, and uh, we went to City Harvest Church. We'd been associated with that with many years, of course, and uh, they uh, uh, had a businessman's camp. So they're cultivating the businessmen, helping them to grow spiritually. So most of these were CEOs of companies or owned their own business, and uh, they were only from one section of the church, one zone. I think we've got 20 zones. They had about 180 uh, adults. Some of those were couples and uh, individuals, and uh, we just had an amazing time. We went out to an island just off uh, uh, the coast of uh, Singapore, and a uh, beautiful, beautiful place to go to, especially if you don't have any meetings, but a lovely place to go to. And uh, then we had these meetings. Well, it was just amazing what God did. The power of God just came into the meetings. We had a large number of them delivered, set free, with tremendous transformations in their life. Just so many of them testified, and marriages healed. Some of them came to joy for counseling. Some of them came to me. We had all kinds. And it's amazing, you know. It just seems the more money people have, the more problems they have. It was just incredible, the, the level of problems that people had in relationships, in their personal lives, the, the difficulties and issues they were struggling and facing. And the Spirit of God came on them. We, we saw many of them just deeply touched. On the Saturday night, we had an outdoor meeting out, right out on a wharf area, right out in the stars. power of God came in. There was a lady with a deaf ear who was completely healed. And uh, there was uh, some others that had, uh, another lady had problems in her leg and her back. And we prayed for her and all the pain went. That night when she was laying in bed, she couldn't get to sleep. And she just lay there talking to the Lord. And suddenly she felt her back relax. And then she heard the crack, 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 crack of all the bones got reset into place. And her back was totally free. Then her leg released. She came in the next day jumping and shouting and running, absolutely free from something they've been with her for eight to ten years. Just tremendous pain. So she was just, just on, on top. I had a lot of people that were healed of different things. And uh, then the, the last morning, we taught people how to hear the voice of God and how to, uh, to open up to the Holy Spirit in their business life and their work life. And uh, many of them heard God for the first time, were able to pray for people and see God touch them. It was just an amazing time. And uh, during that time there, they were also faith goal setting for the coming year uh, for giving. The church is in a building program. And uh, out of that uh, 180 business people, how much do you think was given or pledged for the coming year for giving and tithes and offerings out of that group? You'd be surprised, absolutely surprised. There was $5.8 million. Just amazing. So Pastor Khan was just delighted. Uh, it's a great help to them because everything in, in Singapore is extremely expensive. Here we think in terms of thousands. There they think in millions. <laughs> just all a matter of level, isn't it, eh? And, uh, but all of them had set goals on what they were planning to do, open new businesses, open new branches, sell new products, uh, uh, find ways of increasing their productivity, or looking for promotion, looking for other outlet streams of finance. But all of them uh, heard from God what God said, you can do this in the coming year. Isn't that amazing? What a great challenge to us. So it was just an awesome time. We had Andy with us, Andy Lowe. Andy had a great time there too and got touched by the power of God and got to pray for some people and heard the voice of God and people began to weep. So it was just an exciting time. Thank you for praying for us. I'm sorry I didn't get to talk to you. I slept in in the morning. Uh, we just, there's a, there was a six-hour difference between you here and us over there. So it was very, very early in the morning when you had your meeting. As far as we were concerned, about us four. Uh, so anyway, I'm sorry I missed it, but uh, next time it will be much easier, I'm sure. So praise the Lord, we've had a great time. Souls added to the kingdom of God. People added into churches. Churches built and strengthened. So thank you for your prayers and love. Bay City, we've done a great job in the nations of the earth, haven't we? This year, thousands of people saved. It's been fantastic. Well, great joy for me to, uh, to welcome David and Sue Collins. have been great friends of ours for many years been pastoring uh, in New Zealand in a number of places and uh, pioneered a church in Taupo and then pioneered one in Hamilton. Uh, that's their home base there. We support them in Fiji where they are now. They have a Bible school that they are working to train up the locals. Uh, they're working on the curriculum. They're raising the whole level of it up to a whole new level. We went there earlier on and had a tremendous move of God. I think it must have been a year ago now, is it? Well, time goes in a blur when you get a bit older. Anyway, it seems like it was a wonderful time. That was the place we had the whirlwind. Remember I told you about the whirlwind in the meeting? Well, that's the place. So anyway, great to have Dave and Sue here. Why don't you stand up? Let's give him a great Hooks Bay welcome. Welcome, Dave, as he comes up to preach. Uh, good morning. It's so good to be here with you again. And uh, wow, what a great... Great stories you get told on this church. Isn't it great to be in a happening place? Great stories from overseas and here. 
Anyway, thank you very, very much for your care for us and uh, just um, the way you're supporting us up there in Fiji. We're having a wonderful time. It's great being alive. It's great being a Christian. It's great being a servant of God. Just uh, it's an awesome, awesome way to live. And uh, I brought someone with me today. It's actually my wife. And uh, she is going to say hi to you and uh, probably um, take 30 minutes to exhort you. There you go. <laughs> oh, he's naughty. I won't take 30 minutes. I'll just take a few seconds. But boy, it is great. You know what the marvelous thing is for me is to actually be here to worship. Do you realize that it's worship first, then it's service? You've got to have worship. You've got to know how to worship him. You've got to know how to see him. And then out of that will come service. But if we haven't been there first, boy, it makes service awfully hard. In fact, you know, when I was up in Fiji, I was just doing the normal thing in the kitchen, you know, hating it with everything within me. But he said to me this in a, uh, a very gentle way. He said to me, Sue, it's not so much what you do along the way, but he said it's who you touch. Because he said that's love in action. And that's so true. I can do a lot of things. I mean, I can get, you know, I can, I can really do things. But boy, what makes a difference is when I start to touch someone. And that is love and action. And that's what we need. You know, the, I, I loved the way that you were praying for souls for this thing coming up, um, this performance, this wanting to reach people at Christmas time. You know, you can do it because it says here, and then I'm going to hand it to David. Um, it says here, I sent you to the harvest where you didn't plant. Others have already done the work, and you will gather the harvest. Do you realize that's a great expectation to have? Because it's an expectation of belief. Because others have already done the work. All you've got to do is say, hey, come with me. We are going together, and you're going to see something absolutely marvelous and dynamic. Because someone's already done it, but he promised us the harvest. Oh, and I love that. God bless you, and thank you for what you have done for us. It's amazing. Thank you, honey. Well, uh, we, um, we like being missionaries, too. Who would have believed it? You know, like uh, we've been pastoring for 30 years in this country and uh, never dreamed of uh, going to another country and uh, help on a mission. And uh, that opportunity came and uh, we kind of still scratch our heads about that. We call ourselves the accidental missionaries. (laughs) We still can't figure out quite how that happened. But um, it's just such an awesome thing to serve in a, especially when uh, when you're, you're linked with a body which has got such a tremendous missions focus and going to the nations, and it's such an exciting thing to be part of that, just to be spending these years of our lives sowing into that, uh, helping make that happen, and, uh, and you know, the whole, the whole mission's profile in our own lives, we realized was just at, at too low an ebb. And it's just great that we're going to raise that level in our own spirit, in our own life, our own giving, and uh, we've had a tremendous last few weeks, actually, when it comes to missions. At the um, end of October, we went over to Australia. We visited three churches, one in Brisbane, one in Sydney, another one in Melbourne. They were all churches that had been planted out of Fiji. And uh, in each of these places, they had, they had someone or a couple there that were within a few weeks away of being sent out into the mission field, two into Asia and uh, another into Africa. And it just blew me away. I mean, these weren't huge churches. These were churches that were, they were kind of doing church life very sacrificially. They had such a heart for the field, and they had these people all ready to go. And then um, we came back to, um, we had about a week and a half before our graduation when we got back to Fiji after being in Australia. And um, um, what an awesome thing just to see the students of the World Harvest Institute just receiving their, their, uh, their certificates. It uh, d- doesn't make them anything, but it does just acknowledge the fact that they've, been, they've trained, they've submitted to that, and they've been, been prepared to give years of their lives to be prepared to serve God much more effectively. Such an awesome thing. We, there were 145 uh, men and women received um, graduating certificates this year at the graduation, graduating from the School of Discipleship, the School of Christian Leadership, the School of Church Planting, Ministry, and Missions. Um, they are our third-year students, and they, um, there were uh, 16 of them who um, we're going to hear about now in, in, um, in probably a short period of time from different parts of the world and within the, the South Pacific. I, um, at the very beginning of the year, I, uh, I got that class, or I got some of the, 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 the leadership class and the church planning class just to uh, write out for me what their dream was. And just to see these 
guys now are graduating and going to fulfill their dream. Uh, it's just awesome. Here's a young man. His name was uh, Veressa. Uh, 28 years of age, he was in, he's been in our, um, our, our leadership school. He wrote this, I, I love what God is doing in my life. Anything to be able to say? I love what God is doing in my life. I know he has a specific purpose for me, and that is why I'm here in this institute. My dream is to become a great man of God for his people in wherever or whichever place or nation in this earth he wants to use me. And then this guy by the name of Ildens, who is a 34-year-old guy from Micronesia, um, he was in our, uh, our school of ministry and missions. He wrote this. The Lord has called me, and I feel very strongly that I am a missionary. My passion is that I will be a missionary in Africa. And I am dreaming that what God has laid on my heart will be fulfilled. And here's Patrick. Patrick's a 32-year-old uh, guy married with two children from Kadavu uh, in Fiji. And he wrote this. My desire is to lead a mission-minded church. I want to have a powerful worship team somewhere in New Zealand or Australia, touching the unreached people all over the world to train and equip young people for ministry to be a powerful teacher of the Word of God. Sounds like it fit in right here. Uh, here's Aparosa. I love this one, what Aparosa wrote. Uh, he wrote this. Uh, Aparosa, one of our older, older students, 40 years of age. Uh, he wrote this. Uh, my passion, my dream is to become the first person in my village to become a pastor. Um, in my village history, nobody has become a pastor until now. I desire to one day evangelize into the families in my village the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all can be saved. I want to be able to be successful in my ministry, to heal the sick and to do signs and wonders. I'll read you one last one. I've not, I've, I've not edited the, the, way they, the way they wrote this either. This is Richard, 25-year-old student from Micronesia, actually came through, had been in Hawaii, and, um, and, and came and was part of our, uh, our leadership school this year. He wrote this at the beginning of the year. My dream, I want to be a missionary. I believe that I'm here not by an accident, but it is a purpose of God for my life. He knows the desire of my heart and cannot use by God if I empty. <laughs> cannot use by God if I empty. He writes, he goes on, he wants to deal my character. Anyone know what that's about? He wants to deal my character and fill my life so that I can use mightily and powerfully. That's Richard. Oh, what an awesome thing to see these guys um, standing um, kind of proudly and being congratulated not really knowing at that moment what was lying ahead of them as they, as they went out. But, and, and, you know, during our graduation ceremony, the, uh, the president of the movement of churches that we're part of up there, uh, Pastor Suliassi, um, he had just come back with uh, four or five of the senior uh, ministry of that movement, including Pastor Mosesi, who you've met and who a team from here was with just this year. And they went to um, Israel and Egypt and Turkey, went to the Middle East. And whilst they were in Turkey, they, they visited the, the cities where, to, to whom Jesus had written those seven letters that we, read, that we have in the book of Revelation. Um, he, he, said, he said, there's no churches. They're not there now. They're not there now. <laughs> he couldn't find the churches. And, uh, but while they were there in Turkey, they felt, they felt very strongly the Lord challenged them and speak to them, you've got to send men and women to this nation to plant churches. It's from Fiji. And so at, that, at our graduation ceremony when he spoke, he asked us, he challenged us, he said, would you please here in this place raise up men and women that will go to Turkey, a nation 95% uh, Muslim, go to Turkey and plant churches that will spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's been a great, great few weeks for us in, in terms of missions. And then we come back to New Zealand um, after that and last, we've been back about a week and a half. Last, last Sunday we were in a church in Auckland and the pastor of that church is from another land who's been sent to New Zealand as a missionary to fix us. And now this Sunday, I'm in one of the greatest mission churches in the land. Oh, it's been a great few weeks for missions. Amen. 
Uh, I'm going to read you a verse from Revelation chapter 11, and verse, it's actually verse 15. I'm reading it from New Living uh, Translation, the Bible, Revelation 11 and verse 15, and this is what it says. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven. The whole world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. I like that. What an awesome announcement. No wonder they were shouting, and no wonder it's not just one dude that was given the job to, you know, kind of read this as the town crier or whatever it might have been. There were voices loudly proclaiming. It would have been some sort of a confusion of noise almost where they were just, they were announcing the reality that they were seeing. The whole world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of, of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. You know what they were saying? They were saying, mission accomplished. We've reached it. We've done it. The whole world. The, the, the church has been sending its men and its women, its finest men and women, out to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're now proclaiming in heaven, the whole world has become the kingdom of our Lord, and He will reign forever and ever. Some 2,000 years before heaven shouts this awesome proclamation, Jesus Christ had told His followers, and we know it well, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone everywhere. That's in Mark 16, 15. And this is the main thing, of course, that Jesus told us to do. This was His great last command to the church. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone, everywhere. This is our commission. See, his commission is to build the church. So he's, it's what he said he would do. It's like Jesus was saying, you go into the world, that's your job. He says, I'll build my church, that's my job. I've been in a few churches where that's all around the wrong way. There's <laughs> work in us. They've got, they're working Jesus' commission and hoping that maybe he'll pick up their one and go into them and save the world. <laughs> uh, the greatest churches in the world, not necessarily the biggest ones, not, not necessarily the most famous ones in terms of you know, how we would recognize fame, the greatest churches in the world are those that are caught up with this great mission to go into the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and by, this, you know, by this biblical reality, a church is defined like this. It's a community of believers who are unified and energized by the non-negotiable priority of going into all the world to preach the gospel. That's what a church is. That's what a church is. Hey, it's not easy. The devil hates it. The flesh loathes it. It's costly. People die. We, in our house in Lambassa, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a, um, a, a New Zealand couple who are now living and serving the Lord in Fiji. And, um, and they, they told us this. She showed us the, where the bullet had entered her knee and come out again and when they were serving previously in Ethiopia. And he told us how, in that same incident, how he had been lined up with one or two other men who had been dragged out lined up before a firing squad, heard the guns go, out, go, go off, saw the old missionary from America die in a hail of bullets. He was conscious of being hit strongly <laughs> in the chest and flew over backwards and then kind of woke up a second or two later thinking like, I'm dead. But he wasn't. He was actually, wasn't dead. And in fact, there wasn't even a mark on him. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it's, it's costly. It's dangerous stuff. <laughs> but it's not, an issue. it's not an option. It's standard issue Christianity. Not an option. And, and like every great motivator, I'm, I'm sure some of you, especially some of you that are in the business field have been long and heard motivational speakers or... You've had someone in the church, you know, motivate you. There's a vision. You want to get something done, a, 
a, a project to be completed, a building to be finished. And usually what we do when we're seeking to motivate people, we, we show them the, you know, the architect's finished impression. You know, the, this is what it's going to look like. This is, this is a, and we describe what the end product looks like. We, we talk about the end game. It's like the carrot in front of the donkey. We, not that the church is a donkey, but we try. <laughs> we want people to propel forward into into something that's very, very, a picture that we're painted that's very, very worthwhile and very, very worthwhile sacrificing for, giving energy and effort to. And like any great motivator, God shows us the end game, the glorious conclusion of all the sacrifice and the effort. The whole world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Mission accomplished. Hallelujah. No more missionary offerings. I, just, I, I still want to commend you, church. I still want to encourage you. I know that I'm amongst the people that, that this, this, this message is already in your hearts. This is already part of your ethos here in the church. And you've, you've kept yourself stirred in missions. I want what I'm sharing with you today just to be a strong encouragement for you. Not to give up. You know, this is, this is a great place of giving. This is a great place of sending. And friends, I want to let you know it's going to end. It's going to end. There's a glorious conclusion that's announced in heaven. And you know, when, listen, we're not just here to make the world a better place. I mean, Bob Geldof and Bono, they can do that. We're, we're, just, we're not here to make the world a better place. We're, we're here to cause every human, man, woman, girl and boy, call every, on every nation on the, on the planet, Cause them to come under the wonderful kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not making the world a better place. I mean, it's going to be a better place that <laughs> on, on that day, but we've got a huge, a wonderful, such a huge mandate from God to for what a privilege to carry this responsibility on this, for this planet. Listen to Daniel's, this is Daniel's version of Revelation 11.15. What I read you in Daniel 11.15, Daniel had his version, sorry, Revelation 11.15. This is what Daniel, he had his version of a very similar statement in in Daniel 7.13. He was given authority, honor, and royal power over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. And his rule is eternal. And it will never end. And his kingdom will never be destroyed. Every nation, every, every, every language, every race. Suzanne and I just, just recently made a financial commitment to support a young man by the name of Matthew, who's um, a, Fiji, a young Fijian man, who with another young Fijian man by the name of Ben, they're going up into Cambodia to live amongst and to, and to take the gospel to the Kui people. Of Cambodia. Now, the the the, uh, the major people group in um, Cambodia are the Khmer people, and the Kui are a, a, a persecuted minority. Um, they're, an un, they're regarded as an unreached people group, and the Kui have been pushed into the kind of the nether regions of of Cambodia. They can also be found in Thailand and Laos, but all in the border regions, all that where those countries intersect. Um, they're very very poor. They uh, they've been they were, they've been persecuted by the majority uh, peoples of, of those particular countries, almost, uh, almost a forgotten people. Um, with diverse dialects, the Kui on one, on, in one country don't understand the Kui in another country. And, but what an awesome thing. Uh, a young man giving his life to go and live amongst them. First year he's going to spend just learning the language. Going up to um, Phnom Penh to learn the language and then, then on into living amongst the Kui. We we saw a video footage um, just a couple of weeks ago. He'd been up there for a kind of a reconnaissance just to suss it out, meet others that were seeking to reach into that area and to connect with them. And just some of the footage we saw, we saw some of the poorest people I think we've ever seen. Just an amazing thing. And I tell you, but Jesus Christ is going to rule there. He's going to rule there. He's going to rule. Why is he going to rule there? Because someone's going to take the gospel there. That's why. Huh. Now, there's another great picture of the end. Um, I'm talking to you about mission accomplished today. 
Um, there's another great picture of the end, the accomplishment of the believer's obedient action going into all the world. It's in Daniel 2. It's very similar to what we read in Revelation 11 and what I read you in Daniel 7, but we learn a lot more from this particular picture. And what we learn is that God is, in, God is at work in each of our lives. There's a, that there's a place for everyone of us to be part of this climactic moment in the history of the world. And I've just, I've just got, these, um, got these verses just printed on my page here, so I'm not going to open my Bible. You can just listen along with me for the American Standard New American Standard Version, Daniel 2, 34 and 35. Now, some of you will be familiar with this passage. The picture was actually Daniel was in the business of interpreting a dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had had of a great image, a great statue uh, made of um, gold, the head of gold and the shoulders and the uh, breast and arms of silver and the loins of brass and legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. And, uh, and so he was just describing to Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was and then giving him his interpretation of it. So we kind of cut in there in verse 34 of Daniel 2. Daniel is speaking to Nebuchadnezzar and he says, You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. And then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So that was the picture that Nebuchadnezzar had in his dream that Daniel's sharing, reflecting, sharing back to him. And here in Daniel 2.44, he's, he's giving the meaning of the picture. He says, In the days of those kings... The God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Each, each part of the statue represented an, an, an earthly kingdom, an earthly uh, dominating power. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it crushed the iron, bronze, clay, silver and gold. God has made known what will take place in the future. Friends, what God intends to do is to fill the whole earth. To fill the whole earth. He's going to fill the whole earth. Of course, I'm not talking about today. You know that. This is a great future vision that we see here but it's a future that has already started and that we, we are already a part of. You see, because today the earth is filled with a mixture of uh, oppressive and humanistic and idolatrous and immoral and godless ideologies and governments, along with many genuinely righteous leaders and governments. Today the earth is filled with a mixture of nations where you can go and freely preach the gospel of Jesus Christ through the nations where any Christian witness will lead to persecution, imprisonment, sometimes martyrdom. There's a whole mixture on our planet on the day in which we live. Every shade in between is there. Today, the mixture of ideologies and controlling forces, wicked systems that dominate societies and governments on this planet, in a word, the code word in the Bible is kingdoms, have created a world of great turmoil and tragedy, and I don't have to tell you that. You can look on your TV news, you can read your newspaper in the morning. A world of great turmoil, terror, and tragedy. But friends, they're going to fall. That's the good news. Going to fall. They're going to fall. They're going to fall. The simple message from the fall and the crushing of this great statue is this: that every ideology and wicked power that alienates people from God and His love and His liberating truth, it has no future has no tomorrow. And friends, our going into every nation with the gospel not only saves the lost one by one, but sets the stage for history's finest hour. Hallelujah. When they're going to shout from heaven, mission accomplished. The whole world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Ugh. And you know what God has planned for tomorrow? He's preparing for today. And if he's planned for you to be in his tomorrow, and if you've planned for you to be in his tomorrow, then you can be sure that he's working on you today. 
He's preparing something in you today. You may not know everything that God's doing in your life, but He's at work in your life. Sometimes I know the things that God's doing in my life because I feel the pain of them or else I enjoy the ecstasy of them. But many times you just don't know what God's doing in your life. Oh, but you're part of the story. The stone cut out of the mountain tells of the people that God has in the making who will topple and crush these oppressive powers and be the ones through whom the Lord will fill the earth with his mighty kingdom. Now, this is not just about missionaries or Bible college graduates. Uh, not, not just about them. I mean, these are the people, of course, that, that men and women that Sue and I are uh, presently serving amongst. But, you know, God is preparing his people everywhere. They might be farmers, factory workers, fruit pickers. That's a good thing to say here, I guess. And uh, full-time mothers, truck drivers, doctors, drain layers. I mean, everyone. God is working. Any, any who have said, Jesus, get a hold of my life and make it count. And, and then live that surrendered, live out that surrendered life to his purposes and to his plans. Anyone who's said that to God, they are part of an unbelievable tomorrow. That's in preparation by the Holy Ghost today. I want to encourage you. See, there's a work of God going on right now, right now. It's a work of God because, see, what he's, taught, what, what he's causing to take shape is without, made without hands. It's not, a, it's not the product of, of human effort. It's not a man-made phenomena. It's a supernatural Holy Ghost phenomena. God is working and building in our lives. The Holy Spirit is shaping you. Every time you open your Bible to read or study, the Holy Spirit is shaping you. Every time you lift your hands in His presence and, and surrendered worship, the Holy Spirit is shaping you through your trials, through your defeats, through your victories. Make no mistake, God is at work. The Holy Ghost is shaping you every time you draw aside to know Him more deeply. The Holy Ghost is at work in your life. He is shaping you. It is a stone that's made without hands. It's a supernatural phenomena. Uh, it's a stone. Uh, and I reluctantly say just a stone because the stone, it's exactly the same Hebrew word as for that stone that David took from the brook. The one that he put in a sling. The one that brought down another great defiant thing. Same word. It's a, just a stone. A smooth stone not shaped by hands but by the waters of the brook. That was the one that David picked out. You know, continually flowing over it day by day. Ah. What an awesome thing that we called this, I don't know, someone called it, maybe God called this move of the Spirit of God the river. There's people, you know, it's just, it, it, it most certainly is the evidential and the manifest power flow of God uh, in our churches and on this planet. And our, but it's also, friends, the river is also the continuous day by day flow of God, flow of the word, flow of his promises, flow of his presence in your circumstances, the flow of the spirit of God over your life, day by day, shaping and making. You never see great hunks of the stone fall off at a time, but it's been weathered away to be that instrument in God's hand and in his making. Hallelujah. Mm. In itself of no significance, that little stone in that brook that David picked up. Maybe that stone and that, and the, that was cut out of the mountain in, its, in, in, in itself of no significance, but cho the thing is chosen by God. Chosen by God. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are strong, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. And that's the very action that we read about in Daniel chapter 2. Hallelujah. Just a stone brought down, brings down that defiant image. Who would expect that? Something of no significance becoming the thing that destroys the kingdoms of this world and fills the whole earth. I, I hope by what I've been saying to you in the last couple of minutes has been causing you to say, I can be part of this. I, I can be included. You know, not, not many mighty, but mighty in God. We come and we yield to Him. Friend, it's not about being mighty or famous. It's about being yielded, available, obedient, possessing faith 
complete reliance on God, having a revelation of what God can do with a nobody, you know, not, not passive, pushing deeper into God and out into the world. Just people like that. Just people doing standard issue Christianity. God is cutting a great and holy army out of the mountain of humanity. And we can be part of that, a unique people. They will, they, they will not all be on the front lines of missions. I'm not trying to tell you that. Um, I mean, I, 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 um, I like telling people that I'm a missionary because, you know, when I was a boy at Sunday school, missionaries were always great people. They were highly revered. We used to pray for missionaries. We used to give to missionaries. We used to get money. So <laughs> I enjoy telling people I'm a missionary. <laughs> and... Uh, but not, we're, I'm not even on, we're not even on the front line of missions as such. We're there in a training institution, training up those that will... I mean, it's just such an awesome thing to be... I think last time I was here, I told you a story of a young man who lived in a village just north of Lambasa, where we live. He, comes, he came from Nakelikoso. And we'd been to Nakelikoso. And it was just simple, simple houses with earthen floors and open fire cooking and, you know, long drop toilets and just, you know, what you do for a week when you camp. That was life. <laughs> and, uh, you, you probably take your, you know, your power generator or you run something off the battery of your car, your hair dryer and stuff. Uh, bunch of cheats, phonies. Anyway, and this Avoro was from, just from this very elementary situation. Li- li- and he, he's now, he lived with us actually in Hamilton. We mentored him for a season. And uh, now he's, he's over in Tanzania. Um, planting churches among the Maasai and the Wasai people uh, in Africa. And when he first got there, he wrote back to me and he said, Dave, he says, I'm in culture shock. <laughs> I'm thinking like, now here's the Nisavora from Nakelikoso. Now that's where I get culture shocked. <laughs> he's gone from there and he's now reaching the Wasai and the Maasai and now he's culture shocked. And I'm thinking like, what a wonderful plan this has got. I don't have to go to the Maasai or the Wasai. I can go to Narkelikoso and I can boot someone else over there. Hallelujah. What a great thing. The team that came up from, uh, from here this year into Sabu Sabu, you're just sowing into such a vital, vital part of the church. And you've been, you, you were such an awesome blessing. And I hope they told you that, but I, sometimes they don't. <laughs> but they told me you were. And uh, I even had them on a lie detector, so it was, you know, it was good. <laughs> and... Uh, um, and they'd want you to come back. So, uh, but you know, that, that church, you're, watching, you're sowing it to people. Let, let me just tell you, the last time we were there, uh, Pastor Mosesi had his video all queued up, ready to show us something when we arrived at his house. He was so excited about this. They'd been in a time with their pastors and leaders from around that district, a time of five days of prayer and fasting. They do that about every six weeks. They get together and they do that. They just seek God. And he had a video of what had occurred this last time they'd got together. Well, the heavens had opened over them. And the Spirit of God was poured out. And that whole group of pastors and leaders, their wives, and uh, there, there could have been a group of 50 or more, they wept in the presence of God for five hours. I didn't watch the video for five hours. So it was a little repetitive. <laughs> but they wept. And, you know, they were worshipping as they wept and they were reconciling as they wept and they were repenting as they were, whatever God can do with a shower of tears for five hours and a people soften them up and change their hearts. I mean, it's a, you're sowing into a place that knows visitation. Well, the last night of that, they're doing meetings the last few nights, evangelistic. By the way, it was a Roman Catholic village predominantly that they were in. And the villagers were coming and watching the phenomena of the Spirit of God moving and with great wonderment, giving their lives to Christ. Just an awesome thing. At the end of the, when the last evening meetings, Pastor Mosesi was preaching and he gave a challenge to the young men and the young women that were in that place and uh, to, to give their lives to serve Christ. And as a result, there are 30 more young people that are joining his discipleship school next year to train for the field, to train for serving Jesus Christ. Just, a, just an awesome, awesome thing. Okay. You know, um, What's in the hearts of people here, I believe, is, is evidence that God is getting ready to wrap this whole great challenge 
of saving this planet and seeing nations come to Christ. You know, that's why in this place there are, there are people that have been stirred for a nation. You've just, you've just had it on your heart. You, maybe you give to that nation. You pray for people that are there. Maybe you're going to go there one day. That the gospel should be spread there. That the church should grow there and be blessed there. That's why in this place there are, there are those who feel a compelling compassion for the, the famine ravaged or the, the, the orphan children or the homeless victims of eth- ethnic cleansing. That's, that's, that's why you feel things like that when you hear news of that. That's why your heart's stirred in that way. That's why there's people in this place that have a vision for God moving powerfully where there's only ever been a bondage to idols or enslaving religious culture. You've just got that, that thing in your heart for a breakthrough in the power of God and the nations of the world. And this is why in this place there are those who have a, a vision for raising up businesses that will release finances for the spread of the gospel. That's why in this place there are, there's, there's money that's, that's in our power to give that God has chosen for nothing other than this great vision, his great vision for the whole world. Andrew Culper said this, that there is not one square inch in the whole domain of human existence as to which Christ, who is sovereign, does not cry out, Mine. And if Christ cries out, Mine, then we as a church have to cry out, His. It belongs to Him. That's it. We see that nation. We see that village. We see that friend. They may be living here. They may be somewhere else. We see them and we cry out. We claim them. His. If you ever just wanted to go there, if you've ever wished you had a million dollars to sow there. Sounds like there were some people in Singapore recently that did. (laughs) If your heart has ever been stirred for a nation or a generation or a culture or a neighbor, then your heart's been stirred like the heart of God. Your heartbeat is a sign that God is getting ready for his great tomorrow. He wants to use you. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it itself will endure forever. God will fill the whole world. Mission accomplished. Could I have the worship team back? Could we sing one of those beautiful worship songs we were doing a moment ago? I, uh, I realize in speaking like this to you that undoubtedly there are people here who kind of feel like, this, what is this about? Like, this doesn't seem to be what my life is about. Uh, let me tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a life which is filled with wonderful purpose. Knowing, having an answer to the question, why am I here? What, what is my life for? Um, is, is there going to be anything that's going to be happening through me that's beyond and past me, bigger than me? Friend, if you've got answers to those questions, then undoubtedly you're a person that's found Jesus Christ and found his wonderful purpose for life. But if you've not found the Lord Jesus Christ yet, if you've never ever Know what it is to surrender your heart sincerely and openly to Him. And invite Him to be your Savior, your Lord, your friend, your life companion. Friend, you are living without that wonderful sense of divine purpose that you were created for. God wants to give you that. You know, Jesus died to save the whole world, and we're reading about the whole, talking about the whole world today and nations, then He most certainly died for you died for one person gave his life away took the punishment for sin that we deserved to to suffer ourselves and he hung on the cross and he died for, for you he died for the world but he died for one he died for you and we've, we've, we've talked about giants and great images and defiant things tumbling and falling down at the What about your giants? What about those things that are defying you? You God can do that for you too, friend. Those things that have seemed to be never, you've said, I don't think I'll ever be able to get over this or overcome this or get past this. This has been such a big thing and is such a big thing in my life. Friend, I want you to know 
that what we read about there, for the world, God can do it for one man, for one woman, for one young person, for one child. He can cause your giant, that defiant thing to come tumbling down in your life. Oh, hallelujah. We are meeting here in the presence of a wonderful, loving Savior, of a wonderful God. That's what church is. It's, it's people that are decided they're not going to do life just all out of their own wisdom and out of their own smart ideas any longer. They're people that have surrendered their lives to the God of the universe, to the God of all love, and have said, Lord, I, I want you to lead me, guide me, make my life the most exciting thing it can ever be. Lord, welcome me into your eternal home when my life on earth is over. What a wonderful thing. It is so fantastic being a believer in Jesus Christ and having God in the center of your life. And friend, I want you to just bow your heads with me and pray because I want to pray for you. And just before I start to pray, just as you've got your eyes closed and your head bowed, I just ask everyone just to give respect to this moment. If there's someone here that feels outside of what I'm saying. You don't have that sense of purpose. You, 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 don't, you don't know that moment in your life when you chose intentionally to give your life to Christ and receive Him as your Savior. Friend, this is your day today. If you have no assurance that your sins are forgiven, if you have no assurance that you have a home in heaven, friend, you can be assured like that today as you give your life to Christ. So just before I pray, I want to give a quick opportunity for people just to lift their hands right here in response to this challenge. By lifting your hand, you're saying, David, I want to receive Christ. I want to know more about this. I'm not assured and I want to be assured. I'm uncertain about my eternity and I want to be certain. I have no sense of purpose. I'm just kind of living, drifting from one day to the next. I'm not living for something greater and bigger and eternal. David, I want to. I want my life to count. I want to be saved. Who's going to lift their hands today? Is there a man here who would say, that's enough, enough now. I'm surrendering my life. This is my day. I'm giving my life to Christ. Is there a lady? Is there someone who's got a giant in their life? You tried every which way to cause that thing to fall. Friend, only Jesus Christ and His great power can set you free from that thing. Is there a young person, a child, that will lift their hand right now and say, by doing so, say, David, I want to receive Christ. I want to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand together, church. We just start to sing quietly. As we sing and as we stand, as we sing, I want us just to come into that place of surrender, every one of us. You know, friend, as much as the stone cut out of the mountain represents the, the, um, the whole power and authority of God's kingdom rule and reign, it is also the individual, the one who's been shaped by God, the one who's let go of all their man-made effort to self-improve or whatever that might, whatever that might be. He said, God, I surrender to your purposes. I want the flow of your presence, the flow of your spirit to be the thing that makes me a different person, that prepares me and readies me and causes me to be one that's a part, Lord, of this great commission to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to enable others to go, to pray for those who do, to encourage those who are on the front lines. Lord, whatever it is, Lord, shape me, make me, let your spirit flow. I surrender to that now in Jesus' name. Oh, let's lift our hands and surrender to Him. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus.
It's, it's not about that. But my name will be great in all the earth. I will be exalted in all the nations. And what you're giving to and what you're giving yourself to, what you're surrendering to, it's going to count. As each one does it, shaped by God, made by God, God is going to make a difference in what you can give Him. Some of you think, I can't give much. You're like the boy that gave his lunch. Listen, give it. Do it. Serve in that area. My thing is only small. It doesn't matter. It's just a stone. It's just a stone. It's just a stone. It's just a stone. Stone made by the Holy Ghost. Stone surrendered to His will, to His purpose. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You might think you're a nobody. I tell you, you're not a. You're not a nobody. Ah. Oh. You're a kingdom shatterer. You're an earth filler. You're a gospel taker. Yes. You're a person of impact. Oh, yes. Just a stone, but a person of impact. Impact. Change the whole world. Change the whole world. Oh, yes. Yes. So, Lord, I let go of my own purpose. I let go of the mixture in my life. I let go of the confusion, Lord. I, I choose, Lord, what you want for me. I choose to obey, Lord, totally in that which you're speaking to me about. I choose, Lord, to be caught up in this wonderful, wonderful end time. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. You can trust Him. And let go of all of that. He'll still take care of you. Give your life to that. Give things away for that. He'll still take care of you. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor Mike. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering and thank Him. Jesus, we honor you today. You've given so much for us. 
Lord, we just celebrate and thank you for what you've given. Well, Lord, as we clap, Lord, we make an offering of our lives to you. That we might make a difference in our area, region, in Hastings, Napier, all the area around it. Lord, we thank you as we walk through those doors. You are sending us into this community. That by our prayers, by our words, by our attitudes, by our life, we will make a difference in the lives of people around us. We thank you there's someone we can impact with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Anoint us today. Fresh fire. Fresh passion. Fresh life. Ability to love and relate to people. Lord, as we walk through those doors, bring people into our sphere of influence that we can impact with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God bless you. See you tonight. If you're visiting, come on, let me have a cup of coffee.